my, my house. Go ahead and flip to the next slide. I'm the house on the right. You see that? Okay. So um, it's much cheaper when you do it that way. Just want to let you know. But I want you to watch the screens for a second. I found a video. It's just real short, but it, it'll help us today. Can we run that little video real quick? One of the traumatic learning experiences in life, you discover a shadow. Unfortunately, the little girl, we don't see the parents, how they dealt with this, but how many know that if the, the parents are good parents and she's able to learn, you, you teach her that if you don't want to see the shadow, you just turn and face the light, right? You don't have to see your shadow. Uh, and we all know that your shadow can't hurt you. It's behind you or beside you, whichever way the light's facing. But if you'll face the light, you don't have to fear the shadow, right? So I want to talk to you out of the book of John. I want you to keep that imagery in your mind that if, if we face the light, what's behind us is not something we have to worry about. I want to take you to the book of John, first chapter. Uh, let, me, let me do a little bit of... Uh, teaching here for just a second. John is the uh, fourth gospel in the New Testament. We have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called the synoptic gospels. That means they, they see in a similar way the, the message of Jesus, who he is, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is presented in a, a specific kind of a way. But then John comes and presents this fourth gospel, and it's a significantly different gospel than the other three. Uh, John brings a different voice to talk about Jesus than the other three. How many of you watched uh, any of the playoffs yesterday, the football playoffs? Anybody? Raise your hand. Go ahead. Raise your hand. Okay. How many know that if we sat down right now and we, each one who watched those playoff games, we wrote our four most uh, significant takeaways of what we saw and wrote them on a piece of paper, it's quite likely that even though we all watched the same game, we might not have the same things on the paper of what we saw. Does that mean it didn't happen? No, it just means we all have different perspectives, things that mean something a little different to us, and we might be rooting for this team, so we saw it this way. We might be rooting for the other team, so the referees were terrible and they called the game wrong. You understand what I'm saying? How you see it depends on your perspective, where you're coming from, and the Gospels are like that. They are four different views on the life of Jesus. So if somebody ever tries to tell you your Bible's not right because you had all these guys who walked with Jesus and they didn't even write the same thing, well, of course they didn't. It would be weird if they said the same thing. So the Gospel of John, it was the last of these books that were written, and John's account is significantly different. Now, there, there are some significant events in the life of Jesus and in his ministry that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include, but John doesn't include. He doesn't write down all the same things. He doesn't write about Jesus' birth. He doesn't write about Jesus' baptism or Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. He doesn't write about his confrontations with demons or Jesus teaching uh, some of the parables. He, he, John doesn't record the Last Supper. He doesn't record Jesus in Gethsemane. He doesn't record the Ascension. 
Does that mean that they didn't have him because John? No, he just had a different perspective on what he was writing. And the first three Gospels, they focus on Jesus' ministry in a region called Galilee. And John writes about Jesus' ministry in Jerusalem. And they have purpose and meaning and why they do these things. And he, each of the Gospels emphasizes a different origin about Jesus, about his background. Matthew uh, talks about Jesus coming from Abraham through David and demonstrates that he's the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. Mark shows that Jesus was from Nazareth, and he demonstrated that Jesus is a servant. Luke shows that Jesus came from Adam. He demonstrated that Jesus is a perfect man. And John shows that Jesus came from heaven and demonstrates that Jesus is from God. So I'm just giving you a little bit of this background because when we apply it here in just a few minutes, I want you to have an understanding of why John speaks a bit differently. Let's read from John chapter 1. John writes it this way. In the beginning was the Word. Who is the Word? It's Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the, <coughs> and the Word was God was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. I want you to let, let that sink in for a minute. In Him was life, and who is him? Jesus we're talking about. And that life, the life of Jesus, his life is the light that shines for all mankind. And it shines in darkness. And the problem is, when you're talking about the darkness, it says the darkness does not comprehend it. I have time to get into all this passage this morning that's very deep. But let me keep going in chapter, uh, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that, that light so that through him all might believe. So John the Baptist was sent to confirm that Jesus, the light, was who he said he was. He himself was not the light. John the Baptist wasn't the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Just think about that. Let this, let this scripture just sink into your soul for just a minute. Sometimes we read and we, we just run right past things that are truly significant. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Here's what you need to understand. Here's how this is a little bit practical for you. Jesus, your Jesus, is the light of the world. God designed it so the personhood of Jesus, his life, would have an impact on other people. His life, his lived life, would be the light of the world. What he taught the world by how he lived is what will illuminate the world and drive darkness away. If you see things in the world you don't like, the way you get rid of those dark things is by shining the light of Jesus on those things. 
He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Literally, you can take a a master's level course on the first chapter of this book, the book of John. This, they take, you can go extensively into this text. But let me just read this last couple verses. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one who I spoke about when I said, he, comes, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace and place of grace already given. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Okay, Pastor Chancellor, can you come up here and join me for a second? Do you have your phone by any chance? You got your phone? Okay, Chancellor, I would like you for you to turn your, your phone flashlight on. Do you need help with that? Oh, okay, just check it. I know some of this technology, but no, I'm just giving you a hard time. Okay, now I know we have all kinds of light in this room. I'm not going to ask anybody to turn off all the lights. You'll get this. So I'm going to ask you to be Jesus, my dear friend. You be Jesus. Okay, so I want you to hold up. Your phone right here uh, went out. There you go. There you are. And you are now Jesus, and you are representing literally Jesus being the light of the world, right? So I want you to remember that little girl who was walking around, wandering through the parking lot. I don't know why she's wandering through a parking lot. Somebody needs to check on her mother. But she's wandering through the parking lot, and all of a sudden, she, she looks down, and she sees a shadow and freaks out because it's, she doesn't like what she sees. She's, we know why she doesn't. She's just a little girl. She hasn't figured this out yet. But here's what happens. When the light of the world begins to shine on men, that light will expose things, right? Now, the answer to getting direction in life, the Bible says, is I need to turn myself and to face Jesus and to face the light. And when I face the light, yes, there are things that are behind me. We'll talk about that in a minute. But if I will face Jesus, and if he is my leader, he can lead me wherever he wants, right? Do you want to lead me around a little bit, Jesus? Lead me around, wherever you want to go. You can take me wherever you want. And what, is about, what did Shane talk about? He, last week, Jesus called people and said, what? Follow me, those two words. So let's do that. I'm following you. I'm following you. Uh, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do because I'm following you. Be I, I try, huh? 
How about if I play drums, I'll have to turn away from you and look at the drums. And I don't want to worship the drums. I want to follow you, right? I'm prepared for this, ch Chancellor. I, I know what I'm going to say. You, you can try and stump the pastor, but I got you covered today, okay? <laughs> so wherever you lead me, I'm going to follow. Now, have you ever been following Jesus and been tempted to look away? Because that's temptation. It doesn't mean I don't love Jesus or he doesn't love me. But there are things that distract the eyes of men, amen? Our temptations. And I don't lose my salvation because I, my eyes start to wander. But how many know that when your eyes start to wander, you, you're not going to be falling maybe the way you should? I mean, I can go in a general direction, but what we learned last week was that if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you were to learn to walk in his footsteps. And that requires paying some attention. I can wander in the general direction that you lead me. Keep leading me. I can wander in the general direction that you lead me. Lead me. Where you lead me, I will follow. You stand on the edge. Uh, on the, I'm going to follow right to the edge. I'll go right to the edge of the world with you, my friend. All right? Because uh, you're Jesus. Uh, I'm just going to keep up. So as long as I follow him, can I trust Jesus? Can I trust Jesus to stand on the edge? Okay, I can do that. But I also know that if I look away, I, I might wander off the edge. Not because Jesus led me off the edge, but if I turn my eyes and I'm not looking at the person who I'm supposed to lead, the one who's the light of the world, if I start looking over here and following something else, Jesus isn't leaving me behind. I'm turning my head and following something else. And it doesn't mean he quit loving me. It means I just turned my head and decided to follow something else. Doesn't mean I don't in my heart and my mind still recognize that I should be following. I know I should be. But there are times when, what does the Bible say? There are things I know I should do, but I don't. Thank you, Chancellor. Yeah, you can give me a hand. This is important because the Apostle Paul says, you follow me as I follow Christ. See, Chancellor and I, Chad, Jacqueline, Janice, uh, Gary, we're pastors of this house. And one of the things we say when you step into the role of a pastor is we say, follow me. And one of the reasons churches have struggles and difficulties is because oftentimes human pastors can lead people astray. Right? Some of you may be in this congregation this morning because you were somewhere else and didn't like where the pastor was leading you. I want to ask you to raise your hand. But that's just human nature. We're humans following humans following God. Now, the humans are going to make mistakes. Does Jesus ever make a mistake? No. No. Okay. So, in Jesus' first major sermon... We find it in Matthew chapter 5. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. We see Jesus standing before thousands of people. Thousands of people. And he begins to speak to them. You're familiar with it. There's the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after right. He goes through that first part of his sermon. But in Matthew 5, we get down a few phrases into it. Jesus says something to the people sitting out on the side of the hill. 
We see it in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 5. He says to the people sitting on the side of the hill, you are the light of the world. John said, Jesus is the light. Jesus told the people sitting on the side of the mountain, you're the light of the world. You're familiar with this. You're the salt of the earth. You're, you're, the, you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So here's the thing we have to deal with. Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you let your light shine. Well, who is our light? I need to be following Jesus. And then his light is reflecting off of me. If I'm following Jesus, Jesus is the light of the world. and I'm following him. His light is reflecting off of me because I'm following him. If I'm following something besides Jesus, I'm still reflecting something. I'm still reflecting whatever it is I'm following. And that can be a whole lot of things, which in of themselves may not be sinful, but they're not Jesus. I have a light that's going to shine. I'm going to shine for something. When people look at me, they can tell what I'm following. So when people look at you, what reflection do they see? When people look at you, whose reflection do they see in your persona? Who can, how, how are they going to recognize who it is you are, who it is you're following? Well, it's not hard. We tend to look like what we are following. There is a person in the time of Jesus, a mathematician. His name was Heron of Alexandria. He came up with some mathematical formulas regarding light, even a couple thousand years ago. And they're called the law of reflection. And even in the time of Jesus, they understood this. He, he mathematically showed some interesting qualities of reflected light. One of the features of the law he observed was that light reflects with unrelenting and unforgiving consistency. It's just going to keep on shining and reflecting off of whatever it's hitting. And we should be grateful that that is true. Consistency is boring to some people, but as children of the light, we should strive to develop qualities that transform us into consistent, trusted people. People who are reflecting the light of Jesus because we're consistently following Jesus. You and I, we take the, re, the reliability of reflected light, we take the re, reliability of light for granted. When, when Janice is home, we get up in the morning, We'll go into the kitchen, get ready for breakfast. And the first thing she'll do is she'll go to one of the patio doors and she'll open up the curtains. And every time she opens those curtains in the morning, you know what happens? Light comes in. We don't have to wonder whether it's going to come in. 
because it's just nature. The earth rotates, the sun's shining. When we get spun around far enough, we get the light of the sun coming through the window and it illuminates the room and makes us feel better. We're happy, we're ready to face the day and it's consistent. When we go at night and the sun is on the other side of the planet, we'll go and we'll flip a switch on the wall. And you know what we expect to happen when we flip that switch? We expect the light to come on. If it doesn't come on, we have to go look and see if we paid the bill. Because it's not whether electricity works to create light. We've got that figured out is whether or not we've paid the bill, right? So, but if we're doing all the right things, we have an expectation that light is there, it's available, it's consistent, it's something that's real and that we are in control of. We know what should happen. When, some, when light comes into a dark situation, there should be near instant illumination. We know it's not instant because light has to travel, but it's really fast. It's 186,000 miles a second. It's, it's not going to take long from flipping the switch to the room's going to be illuminated. And if the church of Jesus Christ would be consistent in facing Jesus and walking through life, following Jesus, being his disciples, walking in his footsteps, the Bible talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus then we should consistently reflect the light of Jesus. Our lives should reflect who Jesus is. We should reflect kindness. We should reflect uh, forgiveness the way Chancellor was leading us so powerfully in prayer this morning. We should be people of forgiveness. Why? Because Jesus is about forgiveness. When he hung on the cross, they, they put that sponge in his face. They, they, they gambled for his clothes. They had nailed him to a cross and put a crown of thorns on his head. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yet so many of us are triggered so quick, we're ready to be offended in a moment's notice. There's nothing about Jesus that is reflected by someone who is so easily offended that you can't really be dealt with in humanity. Do you know somebody like that? They're triggered in an instant. They're upset in a moment. When, when, you, when they have something that doesn't go their way, they're instantly ready to shout, to scream, to holler, to, to shout obscenities. They do not want to reflect Jesus Christ in that moment. But it's still in those moments. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I need to reflect him, not me. That's why scripture tells us that daily, I am to offer my body, my mind as a living sacrifice. Because it's not me people need to see. It's Jesus people need to see. So I choose every day to take the old man, David Betzer, and, and, and he, I have to die to who he is. I, I know this is hard to believe, but there are some things about me you wouldn't like. If it was just me showing up, I can be ugly. I can be mean. I can be short-tempered. I think half the people in Miami don't know how to drive. That there's stuff that's in me, but I have to make a choice every day. Do I want to let that person run my life or do I want to let Jesus run my life? So a question today is, how can we become more constant? How can we become more consistent? How do we become a better mirror of Jesus? Can you imagine the first time a man or a woman looked into a pool of water and saw his or her face staring back? Got a picture of a, a, a polar bear. Where's that picture? Looking in the water and seeing his reflection. 
I, I, there's some videos I was going to show them, but I, I don't have time for that. We've got business to get to here in a minute. But they stuck a huge mirror out in the jungles. And you'll see these wild animals come by, and all of a sudden, they'll turn and face a mirror. And they're confronted with their own image, but they've never seen the reflection in a mirror. There's not a whole lot of giant mirrors in the jungle. But somebody decided to put and see how animals respond. A bear comes around, and he immediately starts flailing at this bear and looks around the other side, and the bear's not there on the other side. And then he smacks the mirror down on the ground. A, a, a leopard comes up and looks in the mirror, and all of a sudden there's another cat looking back at him. Uh, let me ask you, do you like what's in your mirror? When you look in your life's mirror, do you like what you're reflecting? Uh, let me say another. Do other people like what you're reflecting? You might be perfect. Oh, let me ask you the best way. Does God like what you're reflecting? A recent survey found that an average woman in America spends 55 minutes a day in front of a mirror. Recently, that time has begun to come down but the increase in selfie camera time has dramatically increased. But you see, mirrors throughout humanity, once they were invented, were kind of considered these mystical things when they were first created. They've been associated with the soul, superstition, seven years bad luck if you break a mirror, all kinds of nonsense about that. But the reality is, some of us like mirrors, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? I mean, it's built into our childhood. In some cultures, mirrors are covered up when someone dies because their superstitions believe that a mirror can trap the soul of a dead person. A mirror is an object that reflects light in such a way that the details of the original are accurate reflect, accurately reflected back. A mirror reflects light. I mean, no, but it, you know, it doesn't have to be a mirror. Light will reflect off a wall, right? So I can turn away from a light and there still be light reflecting off something else. And now I'm a reflection of that image. And that's where we get into trouble in our humanity, isn't it? When I stop fixing my eyes on Jesus, when I stop choosing that today, I'm going to serve Jesus and I'm going to look like Jesus and I'm going to love like Jesus and I'm going to care like Jesus and I'm going to be generous, generous like Jesus. When I stop looking at him and just become me, it's not what the world needs. It's not what Miami needs. It's not what our community needs. As people of the light, we should desire to mirror the light of the world. That is Jesus, whose perpetual light is consistently and always in front of us. Unfortunately, some of us, our lives look like funhouse mirrors. I think I got a picture of that somewhere back there. Yeah. Some of us like those mirrors. If we're a little bit more, got a little bit more weight on than we like, we like that one that makes us look skinny. If we're real skinny, we might like, like that one that makes us look bigger. It's just silly entertainment. But unfortunately, some of our lives kind of look like this because instead of the light of life reflecting off Jesus, we've got strange light reflecting off of walls and other things that aren't the pureness of who Jesus is. And people get distorted views of Christianity because we've chosen not to accurate, accurately reflect who Jesus is. 
We need to look into the light of Jesus and be the people God designed for us to be. Light reveals the true form of those things around us. God's light uncovers the fullness of who we are. And this is what's important. When God's light reflects on us and it exposes our mistakes, our pasts, things that we're ashamed of, we have, we have to be reminded that the Bible says Jesus is in heaven interceding on our behalf and there's something that supernaturally happens and that is his blood covers our sin so that the Father, even with the light of Jesus shining on us, he doesn't see that. We can still remember our past failures we can still remember those things we knew we shouldn't do, but we did anyway. Didn't like the results, but we just had to try it. The Bible says that God is so loving that when we're following Jesus, all the Father sees is the blood of His Son that has covered our sin. And whatever light is shining on us through Jesus. It no longer exposes our past because our past has been forgiven. Not, we didn't become perfect. We just became followers of Jesus. And His light now reflects on us. And here, here's the part that's so important. He calls us, once we've gathered to do something like this every week, to encourage one another and to strengthen one another. He calls us to go out and he tells us, you are the light of the world. Go out there and reflect me. Show people what it's like if they will follow Jesus and be engaged with the people of God. It's become, an, it's become a thing in our world where people think the church is the building. And we all know the church is not a building. We are the church. We are the stained glass windows. We are the altar. We are the roof. We are the walls. We are the people that uh, God wants to, wants to be able to have people walk into our relationships, walk into our group of fellowship, and to be able to experience his love, to experience his kindness, to experience his forgiveness, to experience the generosity of God. He wants our group of people to be reaching out to people around us who are stuck in darkness because they don't know to follow Jesus. He was preparing his disciples. He said to them, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to send you out there. You're going to reflect who I am. You're going to teach the things that I taught. And you're going to bring people into the kingdom of God. Didn't say you're going to have them go to church. He said, you are the church. You are the light of the world. Thank God for buildings. Thank God we have stuff that we use to gather together and do it effectively. But you, the people sitting in these seats. You're the church. You're the ones who have to go out and reflect who Jesus is to the world. God never changes about what he thinks of us. Our worth 
It says in Scripture, He loves us. He knows us with all of our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual baggage. He knows all about us. And He says, when I look at you, I see no flaws. I see no lack. I don't see a gap. I don't see any insufficiency that my son cannot fix through his blood shed on the cross for you. You see, here's the reality. What Jesus did on the cross has provided salvation for all mankind. It's nothing else that has to happen for all mankind to be saved other than for them to know there's a God who loves them, who cares about them, and wants them to be able to walk out of darkness into the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the thing that causes the kingdom of God to struggle to become uh, something that affects the whole world is that we are the mirrors reflecting the light. And we can either choose to be engaged in following Jesus wherever his light leads us, or we can turn away, or we can be distracted. And when we're distracted, the light that needs to go into, the all, into all the earth doesn't get reflected into all the earth. The people in this world who their idea of Christianity is some nation state or some building in some town somewhere. The enemy has successfully made Christianity a political position in the world when it's got nothing to do with that. It's about following Jesus, loving people the way Jesus loved people, caring for those that are hurting, caring for those that are broken, going into all the world and preaching. Philippians 4, 13 and 14, you know the verses. It says this one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining forward towards what ahead, what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to follow him because I want to reflect him. I'm going to follow him because my neighbors need to know who Jesus is. I don't have to be a preacher who can speak deep theologies to people. I need to just be someone who reflects Jesus to my neighbor the people I work with, the people in the city where I, I live my life. 